You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Ben, it is a pleasure to have you on Real Faith Stories. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. I'm excited to uh, to share today and to hear from you as well. I wanted to obviously dig into something you're known for, and that is as the lead guitarist for Skillet back in the day. And for yeah. those listeners who've never heard of Skillet or yourself, if you could share some of your backstory and then how you've moved over the years into this whole new venture with Sky's Fall Agency, would love to hear more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start um, not too, too long ago, but back when I was younger in my, my prayer, kind of, you know, 12, 13 year old kid that was just trying to figure life out. I always prayed like God that you would use me in a big way. And, and, uh, and I sincerely believe that I was meant to be a part of something that would impact the world for good. And, you know, I even remember, uh, going up when people are like, do you feel called to the mission field? And I, I remember like going up to the front, but I'm like, I don't really feel called to go to Africa, but I know I'm supposed to do something, you know? Mm. Anyway, fast forward, I, I had the opportunity when I was 16 years old, which is just crazy now looking back at this to try out for the band Skillet, which at that time was a tiny Christian rock band, a little bit obscure in the CCM kind of Christian music space. But I loved them. They were super passionate about the Lord. And I liked the music. It was kind of like harder rock type music. And at their concerts at that time, they would do altar calls, you know, and it wasn't like everybody's eyes are closed, you know, kind of slip your hand up. It was pretty radical. It was, you know, <laughs> if you if you want to make a stand for Jesus, like every eye's open, everyone's looking around at you, but like take a stand for God. And and I thought that was so cool. And I'm like, I, I want to do that. I want to be a part of whether it's you know, at that time, yeah, you know, I'm a 15 year old kid. I never thought I would be in in my favorite band then. So I was like, God, if you could, you know, I'd love to be a part of something like that. And sure enough, fast forward, I had the opportunity to try out for the band. And but probably like a week or two before that, I remember practicing the guitar at that time. And I was pretty serious about practicing. My parents are classical musicians. My dad went to Juilliard, you know, played in the symphony for years. So I kind of saw what it took to be a professional musician. Hmm. And I was applying some of those things, but one day I was practicing and I felt like the Lord spoke to me that I was going to be in a band with John Cooper, who, you know, was the, the singer from Skillet and, you know, kind of a strange thing to hear. And I'm like, it's kind of one of those, was that God or was, am I just crazy? You know? <laughs> right. um, and sure enough, I had this opportunity to try out and, and, you know, it happened very quickly. I was this 16 year old kid. I was homeschooled at the time. And so I had kind of a, an odd schedule anyway. And, tried out. And literally two weeks later, I was out on tour with the band. And so it was one of those just very wow. quick pivots to life. I and mean, I remember my very first tour was, I think I did 27 shows in like 30 days or something like that. <laughs> so I got, got thrown into the deep end when I was 16. And again, a small Christian rock band. And fast forward, we get signed to Atlantic Records and we crossed over into the mainstream space and did very well. You know, I feel it's one of the, the largest crossover bands to, to exist, which is just amazing. And I think the biggest things for me was just the impact that we had on people was creating content, being a part of media um, that, you know, we get messages from people saying, I've ne never heard of you guys before. You know, I wasn't a Christian, but your song popped on the radio when I was literally going to commit suicide or I was struggling wow. with depression or, and your song saved me and it or made me realize God loves me for the first time in my life. So you hear things like that as a creative and 
for me, I was like, I, I, whatever this is, I want to do this the rest of my life. Like, I want to help people encounter God through the arts and through entertainment. I mean, that's really what birthed Sky's Fall. And so we call it Sky's Fall Media Group, and it's very much an umbrella of all sorts of different entities within the arts and entertainment space. Um, and, you know, I did this when I was in the band, and it, it kind of took off. Like, we were doing a lot of music recording and production. I was producing and songwriting and and really just fell in love. I, I realized that I'm very entrepreneurial. So when you're in a, in a band, you know, you get to a certain level, you have a lot of free time, and there's only so many TV shows that you can watch on the bus before I was like, okay, it's time to time to be productive with some of this free time that I had. So I started starting businesses and, um, and Sky's Fall was one of those. It's been an amazing journey. I, I was in the band for about 10 and a half years. And then probably the last few years, I felt this sense of my passion shifting. And we'd be playing a you know creation festival with 100,000 people and literally were headlining it. And I'd get back on the bus and I found myself more excited about designing a business card for my Sky's Fall company than I was about playing in front of 100,000 people. And I think that was the moment <laughs> I realized maybe God's doing something else here, you know? And, and so I ended up leaving the band after about 10 and a half years, like I said, and what's crazy is that it wasn't scary. It wasn't, you know, I, I feel like I had this experience and even though it was this amazing thing, it felt like a stepping stone. And I, and it, it caused me to realize that God orchestrates our steps. And when we're faithful in a season, you know, I was in that season, even though it was an amazing opportunity for me, it was very much serving the vision of John, the singer. And I think oftentimes in life, we find ourselves, we're, we're in a position where we're not uh, leading it necessarily, and we might have lots of vision for leading something, but there's a season of serving somebody else's vision. And mm -hmm. I think as we're faithful in that, God then opens opportunities of what, what we're created for. And that was very much my experience with Skillet. Mm -hmm. And then transitioning to Sky's Fall, I'll, I'll share one funny story. And when we're talking about, you know, just faith and kind of believing God for big things. I, I remember we started doing video and every week or so we'd pray for the company. It was myself and this guy, Joe, who I started the, co the company with. And so one week we were praying and, you know, believing God for big things. And I remember specifically we prayed, God, I just pray that you would open up opportunities with video and things like that. And and so we we bought a couple of video cameras and literally that week we got phone calls from businesses saying like, I heard you do video now. It was totally a God thing. And <laughs> one of them was an, an apparel company that was nearly a billion dollar apparel company. And somehow we got doing commercials for them. And so I remember sitting in the room with, you know, the chief marketing officer of this nearly billion dollar company. And they're like, we're launching a product line with Target. This is what we think, but you guys are the professionals. What do you think? You know, and I'm like Googling, <laughs> like, what, what does a video producer even do? You know, like, and just praying, <laughs> praying that God would give me something that means something to them. And, and, and so we didn't know what we were doing, but God gave us what we needed and really set us on that course, you know, and it was amazing just to see kind of the journey there. So we spent a lot of time in the brand world doing branded content and working with people, kind of figuring out. Who, who you are, why do you exist, and and how do you communicate that to the world? And I, I loved it for a while. And then at some point, I realized we wanted to get more into the entertainment space and creating our own content where we decide the stories and we decide the platform where it's going. And so mm -hmm. that shifted probably about four and a half years ago to getting into film and TV, which is where I've been living most of the time now is on the film and TV space. Mm -hmm. Let me circle back in a couple of questions for you. Way back when you started with Skillet, what was the response of your parents when you got the job? <laughs> What's funny is people ask me that often. They're like, were your parents crazy? Like, and they probably are a little bit crazy, but, um, you know, I think, I think they saw the ministry aspect of the band 
they knew we, we were kind of slightly related to the band as, as far as relationally through different churches. And so they, they were familiar with them and knew that they were solid people. It wasn't some like crazy rock band that's going to go off the deep end. But um, so they saw that and, and I think they appreciated that, but you know, it, it's, it's funny. It's, I mean, a 16 year old homeschool kid, nonetheless, you know, I see 16 year olds now and I'm just like, wow, they, I can't believe my parents let me do that. But I, my dad also left home when he was about 17 for music. So I think the apple didn't far, fall too far from the tree in that regard. <laughs> no, it didn't. What was one of the most challenging experiences you had on the road? Was it a consistent challenge or was it something giant that happened? That's really noteworthy. Yeah. Great question. There was the, the practical challenges as far as you know, driving it, I would just, <laughs> what's funny is the first story I thought of was not very much a personal story, but I remember we have to drive ourselves. And back in the day, you know, we had a van and trailer and it was, you play a whole show, you pack up for hours and hours and then it's, it's 1am and you're like, all right, whose turn is it to drive to the next city? So I remember one time there, there was a massive snowstorm coming and John, the singer, again, I was a 16 year old kid driving this big van and trailer. So John, the singer was very much like, protective. He's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. He kept bringing it up over and over again. I was like, you know, if we're meant to die, we're just going to like, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, like I made, I made some comment, but go back into the, into the gas station finish pumping gas, come back out. And John's in the driver's seat. <laughs> they wouldn't let me drive. <laughs> so much for Ben, the uh, fatalist, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's funny. Came but you know, I think on a personal note, being in a band is really interesting. Like you think that you're surrounded by people all the time, but it's actually a very lonely um, job, to be honest. It's you traveling with a small kind of core group of people, which is amazing. I think we had a really close relationship as a band, but I missed most of my best friends' weddings. I missed like so much of life kind of given to this mission. And and that was really hard, to be honest. I, I don't think you realize it at the time because you're like, well, this is this is just what it is. But looking back on my 10 years in the band, I realized I missed so much of life. And that that was hard for sure. And I think we had to kind of remind ourselves and remind myself why we're doing this. You know, you, you get those messages, like I mentioned, from people impacted by the music. And that is kind of what got us through things and reminded us like, okay, we're, we're about to leave for three months. Why am I doing this again? And yeah. you realize that when you're given to a mission, when you actually see that it's impacting people's lives, it becomes a bit more satisfying and it doesn't cure the loneliness, but it helps you fight through it. What was the biggest temptation you guys faced day after day? You know, it's interesting. People often ask us, how did you deal with pride? And especially as the band got bigger. And it's funny. And I think God prepares you for what he calls you to. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, for instance, like, I don't see that as being a big temptation, I think, for us, because anytime there are moments of starting to think highly of yourself, God would find a way to kindly humble you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember one time we were opening for Creed which at that time they were a big man and all our friends were there. And I remember thinking a little bit of myself, I think in that moment, and literally there's a recording of it off to send it to you, but I fell on stage and <laughs> like, not just a, like a little stumble, but like, I like rolled over falling all over my, it was like probably like one of the most humiliating things ever, you know? And I was like, that's funny that that happened like shortly after my, I think it's something of myself, you know, I think also you realize 
that I'm, I'm kind of nothing. I'm, I'm just some kid that loves Jesus and wants to be used by him. And when that's your heart, you kind of realize like pride doesn't have a, a place there for you, you know? And I think that's why relationship with each other in the band and then also with local church, people that we look up to in life, those accountability people, that was so important, I think, for us as a band, because honestly, it's real out there on, on tour. Mm-hmm. You see those things. What was one of the consistent prayers as a group you guys prayed every day or whenever you had the opportunity to minister? Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I was just telling somebody uh, this morning about this story and we were talking about, actually it was Mary from Tribal and we were talking about worship and how worship moments. And, and I was sharing my own kind of story of that, how we would play these big mainstream festivals and mainstream tours. You know, we're playing in bars, we're playing kind of the, the edgiest of music festivals that there are. Yeah. And here we are, this Christian band kind of crossing over and whatever. And and I would say that we would sneak in, you know, we'd be like, all right, here's all the rock songs. And at the end, we would always try to throw in a worship song, which sounds crazy, but there was a song called Angels Fall Down that we would do often on tour. And I remember those being the most satisfying because I think everybody in the band came from worship, either playing worship for church or worshiping a huge part of their life. Corey had a worship band before Skilled, and Jen came from a worship school, and John, worship was a massive part of his life, and and for me as well. So I think the prayers for us were like, if we can create a context where the music that we're playing helps people encounter God in a very real way, I I remember those were the things that we looked forward to and we prayed Mm -hmm. for, that people, whether you're a believer or, or you're not, that you would encounter God. And I remember distinctly some of these festivals that we played and we were playing angels fall down and and i remember looking out and there was some guy you know he's got his hands raised he's got a cigarette in one hand a beer in the other he's obviously had some drinks but he's crying and he's encountering god you know yeah um those were the things that again we were like if you could do more of that god if your spirit can go through our music and, and reach people there's nothing more satisfying than, than seeing that and being a part of that you know yeah kind of reminds me of carla pratico's interview Several months ago, she was in a bar completely disconnected from the Lord, did not even know the Lord, Mm. and she heard the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit say, this is not your life. And she knew it was God, and she literally Mm -hmm. put her drink down and left and then got into a cab, and in the cab drive, a husband and wife were driving the cab, and they led her to Christ in the cab. Wow. Right? Wow. And my point is, just like the guy smoking the cigarette and holding the beer up and worshiping God, he can get you anywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I just, I love hearing stories like that. It's so encouraging. You just realize God is so much bigger and maybe less religious. You know, we think like Mm. you have to invite somebody to church for them to get born again. And it's like, no, like God's outside the, the four walls of the church and is actively pursuing people, reaching people. So I love that. I very much feel called to that. My wife and I have this company, Sky's Ball, and in the entertainment space, that's our desire. You know, we, we moved to Los Angeles three years ago, and it was a culture shock, to be honest. And not because everybody's around here is like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but like, because it's just a different vibe in Christianity. It looks and feels different as far as how people are outworking it. But at the same time, we've met some of the most amazing believers that we've known in our lives. Mm. And they're super solid of the Lord, you know, moral people, integrous people, and are just feeling like they 
felt called to that. And so it's been exciting to us to kind of be on the front lines again of the entertainment of culture and of being a part of things and just building relationship with people. And mm -hmm. it doesn't have to look like, hey, come to church on a Sunday for us to like minister to them. You yeah. know, like it could be out in our neighborhood or whatever, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. It gets me excited. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to circle back on when you got your first gig with video and that was with a, a almost billion dollar company. And mm -hmm. it sounds like when you were explaining it, you just had this sense, this is what I want to do, or this is what we should do. And you went ahead and bought the cameras and then all of a sudden God opened the doors for you. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's right. Has that yeah. been kind of a theme in your life, Ben, that you feel this kind of sense of direction and you just say, okay, yeah, it has, you know, it's, I I've spoken in front of, you know, not a whole lot, but I speak at churches sometimes. And, and often what I talk about is pursuing what God's called you to do in life and what that looks like. I think I've lived a pretty abnormal life. You know, I never went to college. I barely finished my high school degree and I'm in business and seemingly successful and doing some really cool things in that space. And people are often asking, how did you get there? And did you, you know, did you get a degree in this? And what does that look like? And honestly, <laughs> I feel like the, the path I've taken and, and the pattern that I see is being faithful in something like cultivating something that God's put in your hand and fast forward and God using that or blessing that in some regard. You know, I, I meet a lot of music artists along the way and they're like, yeah, you know, what do you call to do? I called to do music. Like you play in front of thousands of people. I'm like, okay, that's amazing. So are you like writing songs or, you know, try to get to know like where this person is at in their journey. They're not practicing. They're not spending time cultivating the gift. They just feel the sense of I'm called to do music. And candidly, I think most of the time, those types of people never really do anything in music because I think they're waiting for this magical, miraculous moment when like the heavens open up and this door opens. And maybe that is somewhat of what happened to me with Skillet. But at the same time, there was years of practicing the guitar and years of seeking the Lord and kind of being prepared for that opportunity. So when that opportunity came, I had the skill set to actually kind of hang with that type of a group. You know, I say this often about even graphic design. Like when I was in the band, I started doing graphic design, not because I felt like God said to, or you know, felt this sense from the Lord, this is what you're meant to do in life. I just got into graphic design because I thought it was cool. And I started a t-shirt company because I thought it was cool, but I took it very seriously. And I think there's definitely this sense of like, when we pursue something like there's, it's God honoring the work of our hands, mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting for God to do something. And, and we get to go on board with that, you know, and it's a fine balance because I think I've had to stop myself from pursuing something that I thought was God. And I can sense that it's me striving or it's me trying to make something happen. And so you have to kind of constantly bring it back to the Lord to make sure that you're not just doing it out of your own strength, but you're cultivating something and then allowing God to open the doors, if those make sense. So totally. it's some semantics there, but that's just been a little bit of my experience. You basically get enamored with working on your gift, but not striving in it. Yeah, I think being okay with the process um, being okay with the journey, you know, even now, like we're, I feel very much called to be a part of film and television. You know, we've got a handful of projects that are being pitched and being looked at and things like that, but this is four, four or five years of going after this, learning the industry, building relationship, et cetera, et cetera. While I have this sense of this is what God's called me to do. I don't have a entitlement that says, you know, like I've got this film idea 
and it better happen in the next six months. Otherwise I'm out God. And it's more of like, I'm okay with the journey. Like a general sense of this is what God's called me to do in life. Maybe that gets confirmed through other people sharing a prophetic word or something like that to me. I think I've realized, you know, you look at Joseph in the Bible, like God gave him a dream and, and where did that get him? It got him at the bottom of a, of a pit. <laughs> uh, then it got him in prison, all these different things. But in the end, God came through and he went through all the tests or whatever that he needed to go through. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that process enough in my life to be okay with, you know, I might have this desire to go do something. Someday my wife and I, we'd love to have a restaurant. Uh, maybe that's just a dream that never happens. I'm not really sure, but I'm okay with the 25 year process of collecting, you know, information on it, knowledge, wisdom, resources, et cetera, et cetera, to do something like that, you know, as opposed to, I feel called to do a restaurant and I'm going to do it tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to be bitter at God. You know, I, I think I see that often with people and they I think just be okay with the process of it. Realize that it is a process that maybe God's put something in your heart. That's not for tomorrow, but it's for 10 years from now. But what are you going to do today in the next 10 years to, to cultivate that, to prepare not just the skill set, but your heart to be in a position where when that opportunity does come up, you're ready and you're prepared for it as opposed to just waiting around for something to happen. And you maybe don't have the skill set to actually be that person, if that makes sense. It does. As you walk through this process of cultivating, how do you nurture that in prayer? What do your prayers look like when you're wanting to nurture that gift? Hmm. Brian, that's a great question. Um, Wow. You know, I'm not sure. I think there's a sense of that God would use this, like whatever this thing is that I'm putting my hand to. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like I was looking at my Enneagram thing the other day and I, I thought I was a one, but I took a test a few years ago and it said I was a five, which it has to do with being like being capable, being somebody that's intentional and and I'm not super into the whole Enneagram thing, but there was something that I was kind of sharing with that it spoke to me about that was basically like, I have this desire to be not just capable, but to be the person that makes something happen. You know, mm-hmm. that's what it's just ingrained in me. And so my prayer often is that God would just use the thing that I put my hand to, that, that God would use me. I, I feel like I don't really know all the ways and all the outlets that God might be looking to use me. So rather than spreading myself thin, trying to make something happen, I think my prayer is, God, if you can, like even, you know, a daily prayer that I have is, God, if you can like use me however you want to use me, the opportunities, these divine moments that I'm in a coffee shop line and I share something encouraging with the person behind me, or I'm on a business email and I just feel this sense of whatever, encouraging somebody like I want to be so open to those things and mm. um and whatever those gifts that I might have it's maybe isn't like a a big big plan it's just being sensitive to the spirit in those tiny moments and uh-huh. I don't want to overlook that because it's so easy for me to do that I don't know if I answered your question or not but yeah a little bit more and, insight maybe and you know what just springs to mind is life is made of moments it's mm, one moment yeah. after another and being open-handed and willing can make an incredible life, can't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. Another question that sprung to mind here is, when you pray with your spouse, do you find that the way you approach a specific prayer is a little different in terms of the mm. aspect that you pray about versus hers and vice versa? Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What are you finding in general? I can share from my perspective, I'm more direct about, Lord, please do A, B, and C. And my wife is mm-hmm. more about, well, let's let's pray into the relationships with A, B, and C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I could probably relate to that. So, it, g- it gives me a whole other uh, better perspective. I get more of a 360 view instead of a 180, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. What is it that right now that you're seeking the Lord about? Is there something that is really front and center for you guys? And I think the biggest thing is we, we kind of roll in a lot of different circles and we have our hands in a lot of different things, which is exciting. You know, for an entrepreneur, it gives us the opportunity to work in different industries. You know, I'm involved with Tribal with Mary as well and launching this music worship streaming app. And mm. within that, we're launching a record label as well. So Tribal Records will be a thing in the next kind of few months here that I'm helping with. Wonderful. Um, and then Skies Fall and these film and TV aspects of things. And so I often find myself spread thin on different opportunities. And so my prayer is just that I actually prayed it this morning with my wife. And that's just that the wrong doors would close because there's a lot of opportunity and I think for me, if there's anything I've pride myself in is that I can, I can kind of throw in and, and help people in lots of different areas, which is great. That's a great gift. I love serving people's visions and coming alongside helping people succeed. And as your circle grows, the needs grow and you make a lot more friends and they all have needs, which is super exciting. But at the same time, we can often feel like, is this just spinning my wheels? Or are we actually doing something that's helping people? Oh, yeah. and, and so that's my prayer is just that I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I did a hundred things, but like 80 of those weren't really God. They were me doing something that I thought was cool. You know, come on. Um, I want to be more condensed and make sure that the litmus test of like, is this God is really, I, I want that to be an important test that things pass before I spend significant time on them. Yeah. As you've gone in and out of all these different circles over the years, what would be in your opinion, one of the most important pieces of advice you could give somebody who's got these desires and dreams inside of them, but they have not felt like they should take a step forward or they're afraid to take a step forward. What would be your thoughts on that? Mm. I look at my life and maybe some of my friends' lives as well. And I realize that I'm okay with failing. Like I'm okay with going after something and it didn't work out. And I'm like, yeah, I learned something. Um, not everyone's okay with that. I think a lot of people, they're like, if I go after creating a, whatever, starting a coffee shop and it fails, that I'm a failure in life and that's it. Like it's final. Um, mm. And I've, I'm a learner by nature. And so I just like learning things and learning mistakes and learning. So I, I've become okay with that process. And so I think realizing that, again, that life is a journey. It's not just a like, if this thing doesn't work out that I'm done for, um, that you start to maybe risk in a different way. You start to go after things in a, I'm excited about this and I believe God's in this, but if it doesn't work out, I'm okay with that. And I still have the Lord and life is still good. If that becomes how you approach lots of different things in life, then there's a lot less pressure kind of diffuses that fear that I think a lot of people have of if I believe God for being a, an artist or a musician and it doesn't work out, I'm going to be disappointed. So I think we just have to kind of adjust our expectations and things, but going after things, I, there's nothing more exciting to me than like opportunity and going after that opportunity with other people, helping other. So, you know, talking to you, Brian, where do you want to go? Oh, I want someday this podcast is a TV show. You know, my 
knee-jerk reaction is who do I know that can help Brian get to that space? You know, so mm. um, you know, if there's a gift maybe that I have, it's faith, uh, not just for myself, but it's for other people and what they're called to do. And if I can spur you on to take a few steps in that to overcome those fears, then I feel like I've done, you know, I feel like I've done my job. I feel like I've fulfilled kind of the calling that's in my life. One of my friends, Luke, said, if the light's green, go. And if the light's red mm-hmm. as, you're, as you're moving forward, then it's time to stop. My dad would say something very similar to that. It's just that, especially in trying to figure out, is this God, is it not God? And my dad would always say, it's a green light until it's a red light. It's a pretty much the same thing. And yes. that, helped, that really helped me in life to figure out, we get so caught up in, is this the will of God? Is the one? I think that he loves us enough to let us know, you know, if our heart is to serve him, our heart is pure. I think he wants us to go after things he created, you know, we're his kids. Like he gave us the whole earth to cultivate and make something of that. And we get so hung up as believers sometimes and like, I don't know if this is right or not. And it's like, it's like this battle that like, as a believer, I'm just given to trying to help people overcome. And I'm like, God wants you to go after things. Uh, that are in your heart. Like he gave you the desires of your heart. And as we seek him, as we delight ourselves in him, he actually wants to meet those desires um, that he gave you in the first place. So I love it. I get passionate about that. I want to help people kind of unlock that misnomer about what's what you're called to do in life. This brings up an experience I had. I've shared this once or twice before on other podcast episodes, but I was sitting with a friend of mine and he said to me, you know, Brian, I think what you need to understand is instead of asking the Lord all the time, what do you want, which is a good thing, he's asking mm-hmm. you, what do you want? Mm-hmm. In other words, he will partner with you. I had someone else say, you can mm-hmm. go through door one, two, or three. It doesn't matter. He's going to show up. It's hard to yeah. receive that when you're used yeah. to thinking there's only one way, mm-hmm. and because of that, I'm going to make a mistake. It goes back to your discussion about just try something and it's not, right. you're yep. not going to die if it doesn't work. I hope mm-hmm. you've learned something, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think often the things that I learn in different industries, I come back and apply those things to maybe the, the main thing. My main thing would probably be sky's fall, but what I'm doing with tribal, I learn things every day and I come back and apply those things to sky's fall in the entertainment space. And so right. um, I think, yeah, just being okay with like, we get so rigid and we about things sometimes. And I think just being okay with the fluidness of it all, um, it, that that's kind of opened me up to now. I'm not always in that space, but, um, but that if I can come back to that place of being flowing with the spirit and being okay with the way that God moves in life, then I think it's more of a grace filled life as opposed to a kind of like, it has to look this way. Otherwise I'm out. You know? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great point. On that note, I'd love for you to pray for our listeners as we finish up, please. Absolutely. Well, God, we just love you so much. And I just thank you for this opportunity just to share uh, my story and and my journey. And uh, I just pray that your voice would speak through these stories, that your voice would just speak to those that are maybe timid about pursuing something or fearful that they might have a desire to go after something, but they don't know that it's from you or they're nervous about it. I just pray that the things that I shared today would diffuse those fears and that every listener would feel unlocked and given permission to go after things, that they would feel that sense of a green light in their hearts with the things that they ultimately believe 
you you've given them. And so uh, I just pray for faith to be stirred, for faith to be birthed within people's hearts and desires. And that, you know, coming out of this, we would hear testimony of people having heard this podcast and gone after something and God blessing that and God mm-hmm. confirming those things in different ways. So we just commit all these things to you, God. We're here to further your kingdom. We're here to be just ambassadors of, of your grace, of your gospel. And it's a privilege to do that. And so we just say thank you and thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, Ben. So good to have you on the program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.